everyone, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. Supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Hey, I just fit, we just had our conference. Uh, if I I was there, if, if you were there, I hope we got to say hello. And if we didn't, I hope you had a great time. I did, that's for sure. If you want to learn about the PNWA and they're up next year's conference or some of the mini conferences we're having, one with Damon Sway, that'll be fun. Go find out at pnwa.org. Yeah, just got done talking to the fabulous Jane L. Rosen. She published her fourth book, On Fire Island, in May. Great beach read. Finally got a chance to talk. Poor woman had a little COVID, but she's okay now. She's okay now. Uh, Jane is an author, of course. She's a screenwriter and a former Huffington Post contributor. She often takes inspiration from real-life stories and interviews to craft her novels. First novel, Nine Women, One Dress, was translated into 10 languages. Her second novel, Eliza Starts a Rumor, has been optioned by NBC. And then, of course, she wrote A Shoe Story and On Fire Island, and her fifth book is written. And we had an interesting conversation, a little bit about the afterlife, a little because her story involves a dead narrator and about moving from screenwriting to fiction writing, maybe back to screenwriting. Eh, she's very open. Got a very good attitude, does Jane, about life and writing, I thought. And uh, we had a great conversation, and I'm glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Oh, look who it is. It's Jane L. Rosen. How are you doing, Jane? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. We got book number... Oh, shoot. I forgot to do the math. I'm going to say, wait, wait, don't tell me. Uh, five? Four. Four. I was off by one. Off by one. Uh on Fire Island. Now you are the second, there it is, you are the <laughs> second author I have interviewed in the last four months who's written a book set on Fire Island. Can you believe Who was it? It was Lauren, I'm forgetting her last name. <laughs> Wait, really? I, it had to be either um, Emily Rosenblum or... No, nope. Lauren Chamberlain, that's it. I don't it didn't have Fire I... Island in the title, though. It just was set there. It was a love story set on Fire Island with, involving a bunch of twins. I know it was another beach read. Set on, Becky you believe... Chazen. You have the name That's wrong. It. Becky Chazen. Becky <laughs> Chazen. I got it wrong. You're right. Okay. So you guys are all in a <laughs> sorority. Of... Okay. All right. So, yes. So it's fascinating. So, and you That too... was a fun book. Yes, it is. Yes, it was. And so, and yours is fun as well. Different, different kind of story. But okay. Before we get to Fire Island, uh, I also have to say, for those of you who have seen it, um, Jane has the perfect headshot for a woman who has written a beach read. It's her sitting looking so beachy in the sand. Was that deliberate for this particular book? Okay. Yes. Well, My husband took it as with typical Fire Island hair. It was a miracle. It was even slightly done because once you get on that ferry, all yeah, that's wrong. Who knows? So. All right. So this is book number four, novel number four. But uh, I, you've been writing for a little while, have you not? 
This is not something you just stumbled into in the second half of your life. No. So talk to me about it. Were, were you were you a young woman who always had her nose in a book when you were a kid? Were you such a person? I was more I, I loved books when I was a kid, but I was I was more a young woman who always was writing. I wrote ah, a okay. when I was young. And then I somehow lost it a little bit in the, oh. the college life and after college. And I came back to it as a screenwriter. I took a class on how to write a screenplay and I wrote one and I sold my very first one. And it was kind wow. of crazy. Wow. I thought it was easy, and then I learned it was not easy. Um, switched to novel writing years and years later. And here I am. I just turned in my fifth, actually. So, okay, so you're a young woman, you're writing, and by young, I mean like teenager and even before, you were writing in journals or writing poems, writing stories. What were you writing? Stories, poems, you know, whatever assignment it was for school, yeah. I would elaborate on. And um, I wasn't bad, I guess, because like my sixth grade teacher used to send me around with my creative writing to all the other teachers to have them read it. But really? Then, oh. Yeah, but then I didn't like... I don't know. I think times were different. I don't think your parents were very involved in what you were good at. I think now you see your kid is good at something. I read something the other day that said, if your kid is struggling in math, but good in ninja, get him a ninja tutor, not a math tutor. I totally agree. You know, because it's sort of it's sort of weird the way we deal with kids like that. I mean, I wasn't that way, my parent, but it's like, you're meant to do what comes most naturally and easiest. And then you, you perfect, you master it if you can, but to try to make everybody be good at math or even everybody be good at writing, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think. And so, but your parents were like, uh, what were they like lawyer, doctor or professor? Or were they not that? My not mom was a gym teacher. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. My dad passed away when I was 11. He was a builder. Oh, okay. So, they were both bright. They both went to NYU. And, um, but yeah, it was, you know, it just wasn't, I don't, I don't want to say a helicopter parenting situation because that's also not great, but it was just a little less involved. Yeah. Well, my mother raised us and we were kind of on our own. She was, yeah. and we were, and it was okay. I'm a little older than you, I think, but it was okay for me at that time. But so you're doing what you want and right. you go to college. And so it sounds like something else kicked in. Was it the, I got to do something practical. I got to make a living. I got to, got to, got to, got to. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. So I went right into the garment center. I was a fashion major. Oh, okay. And I, worked, and I really loved it. I really did. I worked there until I had children. And then when I had children, I started writing again. Interesting. Okay. So, but you still went into a creative field or were you not doing yes, the creative no, end of it? I was mostly in sales. I had this great job. It was a small coat company. And my boss would send me to Europe, to Paris and London to buy coats. Really? That would be kind of copy in America. Yeah, it was actually really a great job. A lot of travel. Uh, you, I was in sales mostly, but he trusted me to do that too. You know, it was... You were living the life of the protagonist of a chiclet novel or a Netflix series. You're young, you're pretty, you're going to Paris, you're buying coats. I mean, what a job, what a life, what a life. Fun. All right, so you're enjoying it. Uh, and then you have kids and you can't do that job. You don't, well, you don't want to do that job anymore. It's too no, I mean, you know what? I think I would have kept doing it, but my husband was doing well enough to support us. And my sister had passed away when she was 36, wow. 30. Okay. 
sorry, and left two little kids. And I think that really informed my decision to stay home at the time. Wow. Did it was it a sense of were yeah. you just your sense of like the kids missing the mom or just like life is short and do what you want? And what was my it? sister was an attorney and always, you know, she worked a great deal, not always yeah. working great mom. But I think that in the end, she was it wasn't, a you know, it was nice that she was an attorney, but she would have rather spent more time with the kids. Right. And so you said, I'm going to make this decision. And so writing yeah. is something you can do. But of course, writing isn't like starting a little business it's it, normally it's kind of a long haul between i want to write to actually making some money at it but and you took screenwriting to start that you that was that where you went first i went first to children's books and i got okay. about a zillion million billion rejections okay um and then i moved to screenwriting and then to novel writing. Do you think you got the rejections because children's books just really weren't a fit for you at all? Or just because, what What do you think that was? We just had not learned the sort of no, craft? Or... I think it's just very hard to get a book published. Okay. That's all. You still I like mean, those I, stories? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. One of them in particular, I actually, two of them I really like, and I should really try and get them published now. But um, no, they were cute. They were fun. Yeah. Um, I got pretty close often. But it's hard. It's very sure. hard to get published. Sure. And and were these uh, picture books or like uh, early reader books? They were early readers. They were no pictures. They were picture books. Like yeah. I'll give you the quickest example. There's one called New York Nursery Rhymes. And one of the rhymes was there was an old woman who loved to buy shoes through Bloomingdale's, Bergdorf's and Barney's. She'd cruise. <laughs> she'd fall in love with each pair that she'd meet. You'd think the old woman had more than two feet. So that That's was like pretty good. I you still can mem <laughs> recite it. I love it. Well done. I could recite every children's book I think that I read to my kids. Yeah. Almost. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I went there. I've been there. I've been there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you wrote screen and so you tried to go to screen screenwriting. So you took a class and you started writing one. Um you did you like it? You must have liked the story structure, I assume. Loved. Loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And the fact that the words, I mean, when I, the time I was doing screenwriting, it occurred to me that the prose actually didn't matter. I mean, it matters a little bit, but if you come from a fiction writing, say, background, uh, not quite as much. And so that didn't bug you. Just like you were good with the dialogue and the and the visual aspect and all that, just that being what it's about. No problem. Yeah. Now, obviously, in screenplays, you just, it's so much shorter. It's 90 yeah. pages, it's a page a minute. You're, you really just jump right into the action in every scene and you perfect your dialogue. And that's what you're turning in, your story, your dialogue, your yep. action. Yep. And in the book, it's just so much more and, you know, so much more that you're adding in. It's a, there's a big difference between the two. I love writing novels and I love the afterwards of writing a novel. I love what happens in the editing process. Oh, I didn't do that in Hollywood in the screenplays. So. But you sold it. I assume did it get produced? It probably did it not get produced. Selling is one thing. Producing is a whole other animal, isn't it? I sold that first script, I think, six times. What? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. I paid each time? Yeah, yeah. That's a not pretty a profitable not piece of work. Yes, it's profitable. I should really write it as a book, and then it'll get made into a movie. Yeah, there you go. All right. So <laughs> so you have this experience. It's really frustrating. I mean, you it's, it's nice, but there's a kind of... And so, but I assume you must have learned the structure you learned in screenwriting must have helped you when you moved to fiction writing. Yes, I think I'm a very visual writer because of that. I think that my structure, meaning like the three act structure of a screenplay, you could kind of see it in my yeah. character. 
And it's not like I sit and map it out so meticulously as many writers do. It's just kind of the way I write, you know, the the big longer middle and the short end. And it's just how I do it. And when you wrote your first one, did you think, I mean, did you, did you have to write a couple to sell one or were you able to sell your first? I sold my first screenplay and I sold my first novel. Oh boy. Okay. People listening, just, just put your envy down. Don't, don't, don't hate her. She's but just... I didn't sell many others. Okay. I've written many things since on both fronts that I have not sold. So it's hmm. not like I've sold everything, but I did sell my first of each. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. So you've had to, you've had your ups and downs, like just pretty yes. much everyone on earth. Um, did you, when you started writing fiction, did you feel like, uh, now this is home or did you just think let's try another one or let's go back to children's books or were you really like settled into the the novel and thought this was really it i'm not settled into the novel i love writing novels but if you said to me here write the screenplay tomorrow i would be very happy to jump oh. back in screenplay especially since the strike is over <laughs> yes yay hallelujah i have a friend who's a screenwriter and i think he's very very glad about that yeah. um yeah all right so you would so you'd be good you could go back to it no problem yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's a it's a challenge. It's more of um it's, it's such a different thing, you know. You really it's like a puzzle screenplay in a different way than a novel is. Yeah. And do what is your favorite part of the novel? Like what's the part that really excites you? Oh, I love I love um polishing it and editing it. I like getting notes and figuring out how to do what they want. You know, that really? kind of thing. Yeah. You are the only one i've ever heard describe it in that way precisely i've heard people enjoy the but that you really love the collaborative nature of it i like the challenge of things like okay so the book i just wrote is called seven summer weekends and i sold it to my editor on the title because she didn't love what i was doing with the synopsis of the book and she wanted to be set in fire island she gave me like these specific envelopes that she wanted me to do and i I liked doing it. It was like a, it was like a college homework or something. <laughs> really? So you liked working on assignments. So she said, put another one on Fire Island. And did she give you certain like character elements she wanted? No, she said, keep the, I love the title because it's a great title, right? Seven yep. Summer Weekends. It's intriguing. Yeah. Keep the title. Every weekend set on Fire Island. And I went to town and it was fun. So you kind of gave yourself a problem you had to solve. Okay, yeah. I know that I know it's on Fire Island. I know it's seven weekends. Why? What? And now I'm going to make the story work around that. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. And so you to write towards a title that is it, that is like an assignment because like now the the book on Fire Island was it were, was was on Fire Island the first set on Fire Island? Yeah. <laughs> was it the first <laughs> one set on Fire Island? I just saw a podcast that I was in that I never once held up the book. And I'm like, oh, my God, no one's going to know what the book is. (laughs) Um, On Fire Island was a screenplay first. Uh Oh, it was the last screenplay I wrote before I started writing novels. And it was with Harvey Weinstein. Two weeks. I had gotten it to him like two weeks before everything went down there. Wow. My first script ever. Miramax. So. I had this script, but it's my favorite story that I've had in my, you know, brain, in my vault, yeah. whatever it is. On Fire Island is my very favorite story. I didn't feel confident writing it as a novel right away. Right. So I wrote right. three others to make sure that I had what it took. And then I wrote On Fire Island. And then you were ready. And for our 
Our list is very cool story. Very well written. I, I, very compelling. And I, I couldn't help but notice it is takes place. You have people in the publishing world. You have writers and editors. Uh, was that part of the original storyline? Were they, were they writers and editors in the original screenplay? Ben was a writer. The uh-huh. editor, which is his wife, yeah. really came into play when I started to write the novel. I mean, yes, she was there. I don't even remember. If she, she, I don't think she was his editor. I don't remember oh. what she even did. Okay. She was, but she wasn't such a big part of the screenplay. It was when I turned it into a novel and my own editor said, you write for women. This is all about three men. Right. So I turned it to be with Julia. It's a dead narrator. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And using her voice to narrate it, just spun it into a female story, even though it's centered around three men. Um, yeah. It has a little, has kind of a, uh, a, it's a wonderful life aspect to it a little bit, a little bit, not mm-hmm. steal from it, but it has a, I happen to love that story. Uh, and so that's very cool. And so it was, and so she was, it was not a focus on the sort of dead narrator thing. That was not part of the original story at no. all, at all. No, it wasn't part of the original story. Oh, now you see that's yeah. such a central part. I would have thought that would be the hook. That would be the big selling point. No, it was no. just a sweet story about a man grieving his wife on Fire Island. It was like, it still has so much baseball in it, but that's what it was. It was mostly me sitting at the baseball field, listening to these guys banter, which is across the street from my house. And on Fire Island or in, or in yes, on Fire Island and putting right. it into a story. And it, you know, Julia's character really came much later. And that's for so that, yeah, I took a class on the, uh, Kabbalistic view of the afterlife with this rabbi in London for six weeks that really, really? yeah I did a lot of research on the afterlife I met with a meet one of those mediums mm-hmm. um, and then I have my own experience as I told you with my sister and my dad so passing so right. um, my mom had passed just when I wrote it at, at the wow. record in 93 so there was a lot of death around me that I used in this book and it's not as, as you know it's not a sad book Right. It's an uplifting book, but yeah, that's the basis of my um, background in it. Did you have any ideas about about uh, the continuity of consciousness after death? Shall we say prior to this, prior to taking the, the stuff, the classes or the yeah. mediums? Had you developed anything on your own? I've talked to so yeah. many writers who have had not so many, but a bunch. I went on a run where I interviewed like Richard Bach and a bunch of the people who had died and sort of like done the whole light at the end and come back kind of thing. And it was fascinating and powerful to me. But what did you think prior to that? I always felt, you know, so my dad died when I was 11. And I think I worked very hard to keep his spirit with me. Yeah. Because he certainly wasn't ready to say goodbye to my dad at 11. So I kind of didn't, you know, I. Yeah. I always thought maybe I was kind of conjuring him more so you know i think about him and then i feel him but that's is it because i thought about him or was he there you know yep so i never was really sure but as i started studying it i'm now pretty much a believer in the signs that you get after someone dies there were so many inexplicable things when my mom died yeah i really toss up to her still being a spirit somewhere but we writers creative people in general but writers for sure i always we don't. We may not think of it this way, but you spend a lot of time believing in what can't be seen. In other words, if you're going to write a story, you have to live it. It has to be alive in you, even though it doesn't exist in the physical world. You have to go through it emotionally. And if I'm sure, well, I don't know, but every writer I know 
has the moment where things surprise them as they're writing. Characters do things they didn't expect. And it's sense, <laughs> like, where did that come from? Oh, thank you, writing got so the muse and all that. So I feel like it's a hop, skip, and a jump from creative writing to believing in life after death. It seems like an easy one for me anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. Something just happened in Seven Summer Weekends that I wrote at the beginning and then it came up at the end so obviously. And it was yep. just, I was cracking up. It was yep. like, you would absolutely have thought I planned it. Yep. No, but I didn't. And there it was. Every right. Whenever I talk to writers about it, it's certainly been true for me, but all the writers I talk to, it's just the most common story. I put this little detail in chapter three. I didn't have any, I just needed some, he likes oranges and it's the perfect thing on chapter. And it happened. And I think as writers, to some degree, you can't manufacture that, but you kind of have to count on it. Kind of count on your subconscious, knowing more than you almost knowing mm -hmm. better than you trusting that that will happen. I don't know yeah. if you think that way or not, but I've seen it so often. I don't know how to work without it. Yeah, I don't know how it happens, but it happens all the time. So, okay. So you love the editing. You're so, yeah, like you are just a model to us all. You are, <laughs> you are, you are an inspiration to us all. Because I just was, I was just at a conference, and this writer who's published eighty books or whatever, she was talking about how the moment she gets the feedback, she just storms around her house for a day you know angry at it then she simmers down and she's able to write not you you're all excited clearly oh no no don't get me wrong sometimes okay. I'm, gosh darn it what what is she talking about I mean I right. totally do do that and it does take me 24 hours to sink in and really try out whatever it is that they asked me to do but I just you know there's something to be said about when you're done with the book when you got to the end right yeah when you're writing your first draft, you just don't know when you're going to get to the end, if you're going to get to the end, how it's when you're done, even though you have to fix it, it's a whole different mindset. It is. You go back and making it better, but it's already there. Yeah. And you don't go through, I, I work with clients who some of them just hate the editing process. And I think it's because they're ashamed of their mistakes. They're ashamed of every sentence that isn't perfect. They worry about what people will think of them. You don't go through that. You're just you you understand you, the book isn't you and you're not the book maybe or how do you deal with that i don't turn it in until my kids who are pretty good english students uh -huh. <laughs> have read it my oh. age who's incredibly brilliant has read right. it so by the time that happens my husband's best friend from camp you know i have a few early readers and then if something is outrageous i'm not embarrassed in front of them if something's outrageous they will have already pointed it out so no i don't have that fear uh, you're tough you're good you got you got the right stuff for this okay what a i have the screenwriting background you can't imagine they were brutal i they know. made you write things 30 times yes. i mean there's yes. no comparison yeah i know i told you my friend is a screenwriter he was telling me about what he goes through got a movie made and he was like the rewrite the rewrite the rewrite okay we can't have horses in this rewrite it you know they all the price there okay so that's but you like that part yeah. What's the hard part? What's the part that challenges you the most writing novels? <sighs> I don't know the answer. Maybe getting over the middle of the hump when you get to that middle part. And you Saggy say, oh, middle. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a book. I'm okay. I'm okay. So like right before I, I say I'm okay, that part. There's a right. moment where you think, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to Louis Sackar. Actually, I interviewed Louis Sackar, who wrote Holes. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember that? Yes. He wrote, he's written a ton of books, all, wonderful books. He wrote the book. Yes. And it was Alice Hoffman, too. I was interviewing both of them. This was years ago. And both of them mentioned how they would always reach a moment in the middle where they think, okay, this is just not going to work. There would always be that moment where, like, I have just 
painted myself into a corner. This isn't going. So you have that little, you know, yes. it comes a different. I was kind of think of the classic screenplay where there's the death moment, you know, at two thirds or whatever it is. So you have a little death moment about halfway through sometimes. Mostly I do. I mean, I just, you know, you get over this hump and then you're shocked. You're like, oh, I'm in the final stretch. And it's great after that because right. what could go wrong if you have your ending in your head? I mean, I don't write blindly. I know the ending. Is the yeah. when, when you say you know the ending and when you get there, is the ending you know the actual ending or does it alter when you get there? Okay, when I say I know the ending, I mean, I know that like Joe and Martha are going to, you know, end up together. And right, gonna okay, okay. Kansas, you know, right. but I don't know exactly. Got it, right. You, you know yeah. where the lines are headed. You know, the, yeah. the, but you do have, do you know that from the get-go? Yes, I would never start without. Okay, having you don't start until you know that. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, okay, so uh, On Fire Island is book number four, but you just turned in number five. Yes. Uh, is, is, do we, are we going to be looking for it? So that'll be coming out next summer, yeah? June 4th. I would suggest reading On Fire Island. Now, the next yes. book is a standalone book. I'm going to show you the cover. That's from, oh, you I'm not have. looking at my phone to be rude. Right. Um, my next book is a standalone book, but if you've read On Fire Island, you will enjoy it, you know, much more because you'll enjoy it either way, but it goes You'll back be familiar the with the setting. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's the perfect, it's it's a great, you know, I was unfamiliar until I interviewed Becky Charlson that Fire Island, like you can't drive there. There's no, you can't. So Crazy. it's like the perfect beach retreat. I know. I went last, yesterday we went for the Jewish holidays for Yom Kippur and it was yeah. pouring, pouring. Yeah. And it was so funny because on the on the we had to take the ferry back to go to my brother's for breakfast, and it was just hysterical. I'm like, who lives like this? Like <laughs> the boat was rocking. It was, <laughs> this is seven summer weekends. Oh yes, it's good. So someone has decided to to keep a theme going, and so that people will know it's a it's a Jane L. Rosen joint because <laughs> it's good marketing. It's good marketing. Can we expect more beachy reads from you, or might we have a dark gritty thriller following this are you open? i have like so many different ideas in my head i could go in any direction and no it yeah. will not all be set on fire island for sure because i would lose my mind not that much really goes on there <laughs> but yeah there will be more fire islands and there will be more of other and you're okay with that. you can do a book a week, book a year you think if they'll have you um right now i have been doing that and i don't even understand how it happened but it did happen um yeah. for now i think i'm I'm in, you know, it's yeah. what keeps me busy. I'm happy writing and oh, I do such... want to write a play soon yep. one day. Play? Really? Yeah, I'm write a play. Wow. So okay. I'll take a break one year and do that. You've got such idea. a good, relaxed, I don't know if this is real or if this is your podcast persona, but you've got such a great, relaxed attitude about all this. Is that for real or is that just what you're showing <sighs> now? Or do you stress out as soon as you, as you leave the Zoom camera? No, I don't. I stress out about certain things. Okay. Like I stress out about book sales. I stress out sure when I read enough. something horrible on Amazon about my books. I mean, I definitely stress don't out. Don't do it, Jane. Don't read them. Don't I read know. them. Don't do it. All right. I know. All right. Well, you're it's all good. I'm lucky to be a published author. I really am blessed. And yeah. Uh, you got the you got the right attitude. You got the right attitude. All right. The book is on Fire Island. It's really well written it is <laughs> it is it's it is 
compelling. It's different. Touching. You're going to like it, people. Go read it. My mom should read it. Mom, read it. She'll like it. Um, <laughs> but I'm not quite. So congratulations. You're doing great. Thank you. Uh, I'm not quite done with you, though, Jane. What I want you to do is you've done a lot of writing. You did screenplays. You wrote for Huffington Post for a while. Uh, you've written children's books. I want you to think about all the writing you've done. And if it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? Just about life, about being a person. Oh, about life? Like, you know, that you could you could change your ending. How's that? I like it. You can change yeah. your ending. It's true. It's true. Jane, thank you. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. Thank you so much for having me. See, you can change your ending. You like that? I was gonna, I was gonna ask her to elaborate, and then I thought, nah, nah. I think it speaks for its, uh, speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Okay, all right. Listen, I want to thank my producer R.J. Jeffries, and to all of you out there, you're writing your story. You're writing the story of your life. Change the ending. Change the middle. You're in the middle of it, and the best way to have that story. Be a story you'd want to read is by finding something you love to do and then do it.